This is Jonna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers, and this is the Friday before Mother's Day. What a wonderful time to pause and celebrate. I want to read to you from the book of Titus, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. These are words that remain the strength and uh, calling that we had as a ministry to encourage women, wives, mothers, and homemakers. Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. But as for you, Paul is writing this book to Titus, who's on the Isle of Crete. But as for you, Titus, teach what is consistent with sound doctrine. Tell the older men to be temperate, serious, prudent, sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise, tell the older women to be reverent in behavior, not to be slanderers or slave to drink. They are to teach what is good, so they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be self-controlled, chaste, good managers of their household, kind and being submissive to their husbands so that the word of God may not be discredited. Those five verses, particularly two through five, have been the backbone of decades of teaching at formerly Homemakers by Choice, now modern homemakers, and we are proud to say that we have spent these years talking about this, both in public forum, in books and tapes and podcasting. The sound doctrine of the Word of God, dishonoring the Word of God. He calls us not to dishonor the Word of God. And and sometimes I think we need to start at the beginning every time, and, and I need to remind all of us, how often are you reading the Word of God? How often are you knowing the Word of God so that you have the ability to understand the sound doctrine and then be quick to recognize when we dishonor the Word of God? Well, Mother's Day is in a couple of days, and in 1918, eight weeks prior to World War I, Woodrow Wilson, um, the President of America, led the world in acknowledging the place of mothers in our world on the Sunday, second Sunday of May. Okay, it's decades later, a hundred plus years later, And this resolution continues, it has passed and been offered, and it it allows us to have a day to set aside. Now, the biblical issues of motherhood and the centrality of the family in society certainly has changed, certainly has changed. There is no doubt if you live and breathe in America 2022, the role of the family, the centrality of the family in our society has been altered. But God has called us 
according to his word, to give honor to mothers who do this training of children and the work of that. Paul is encouraging Titus to teach the older women that he would be encouraged that the young women would learn to love their husbands and to love their children and to be self-controlled and chaste and good managers of the household, kind. These are certainly issues that apply to all of us, but the role of the mother has changed. Um, There are many good things that have happened in recent decades allowing fathers to have a more important role. The centrality of the family has been increased in our society because dads are giving paternal leave when they have a child, when the baby comes home. Um, Fathers are far more interested. The courts of the land are far more serious um, to men and women who marry bear children, and get divorced. So this this is a, a still a very important facet, different than in what it was in the early 1900s, but certainly important. And this is not just lip service on Mother's Day, not sentimentality, but the sacredness of motherhood, the high calling of motherhood. Alistair Begg, who um, is an English man, uh, does ministry full-time in a church here in America, he, he referred to motherhood as the high calling of motherhood, that mothers are sacred. And when I say sacred to you, do you feel like sacred? I, I don't feel like a sacred mother. I've never felt like a sacred mother. And yet I know by the conditions of the scripture that God views this work, all these children, all the noise, all the demands, children who are always touching us, children who feel like they always need something from us. And I don't care if that's infant or 25 years old. And no better place for us to go than to turn our thoughts to what the scripture says and what God implies about motherhood. Now, families are being trivialized and demeaned. And we laugh about all the shows on TV and how they mock motherhood and um, the devaluing the sanctity of life. And as I speak these words, we are all very aware in America of the potential of Roe versus Wade being challenged and re-looked at. But I'm not talking about the worldview of motherhood. I'm not talking about the days set aside for sentimentality. I'm talking about the days set aside to remember. I, I hope that you will take time to remember your own mother, whether she's alive or well, or women who have played a mothering role in your life. Uh, I look back in my life and I recognize so quickly, I wouldn't be here today and I, we would never have been um, homemakers by choice or modern homemakers that had it not been for women in my life from the day I was born uh, to parents who were not married. And my mother left me with two spinster women who behaved in all ways like my mother for the first few years of my life. My parents were married when I was three. And that process continued and continued and continued until 35 years ago, some young women asked me, would I mentor them? And I realized that I had been mentored 
uh, women who had a biblical view of what womanhood looked like and motherhood looked like and a married woman looked like. It was not the worldview. It was a biblical view. Now, the spirit of the age is very different than the spirit of a biblical view. The spirit of the age is godless thinking. It's easy um, to accept it makes us more comfortable. The counterculture woman who is still the woman who prizes the sanctity of family and marriage and motherhood and being responsible for a home to be used to give glory to God. This is not the cultural view. This is a biblical worldview. And I'm asking you today to recognize this high calling of motherhood, to continue what you're doing. And if for some of you, you feel like I've let this cultural view slip into my life, and it's caused me to let something slip through my fingers, it's caused me to do some things that are not compatible with a biblical worldview. Uh, Irma Bombeck, who's very um, was a very funny woman and uh, long gone now, but she always made wonderful jokes about women and motherhood. Um, but the reality is that even in this culture today, and I was having this conversation with a pair of teenagers, and they were describing to me the importance of loving people who had made the choice to transition from whatever sex they were born to a different sex. And of course, I was listening. I was listening to their conversation. I was actually asking the Lord to give me good responses that showed me that I valued these two teenagers. But in the end, uh, the question that came to be, and I didn't pose the question, the question came to be, but what about God's admonition to go out and propagate the world? Two girls can't do that and two boys can't do that. The only way we can take God's admonition to bring children into the world is somehow or another get boys and girls together, whether that's just giving a girl a sperm or a boy an egg, all in the end, we need these two. And so I want us to be careful that we don't allow ourselves to be yes men and women of God who love all of God's creation. It's a very simple task, no, simply stated task of grace, but the more difficult task of loving someone who's doing something that's counter-biblical information. That's culturally sound, but not biblically sound. This is, make no mistake, a revolution and an evolution, and I am old enough now to see how men's roles and women's roles have changed. Um, in the 1970s, Jesse Bernard wrote The Future of Motherhood. It was an ultra forecast of women of the next generation. And he said, what we see today is the tail end of the comet. Our society is engaged in rewriting the role of a woman. Not just rewriting the role of a mother, but the rewriting the role of a woman. Jesus never demeans women. Jesus loved women and valued women. And I was listening to one of my favorite writers, uh, Ruth Haley Barton, whose first book I read 
I don't know, 20 years ago. Her first book was on solitude and silence, and I was absolutely in need of it. And she spoke such truth to my heart. But as I was thinking about this concept of Jesus loving women, I was thinking about what we've just been through in Easter and the celebration and the resurrection and the value, if nothing else, if we couldn't find it anywhere else in the scripture, and we can, we've been talking about women of the Bible, characters of the Bible who lived in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant and the prominent place they had. Who is the first person at the tomb to discover that Jesus is no longer there? Mary? It wasn't the boys. It wasn't the guys. As a matter of fact, she left there running to tell them what had happened, and they they couldn't believe it. Now, I don't think that's a, a simple circumstance. I think it's another way that we see Jesus who loved and valued. The disciples were all men, but the tribe of people who followed Jesus um, in his three years of ministry included many women and many men and included his having a deep and personal relationship with all of these people. Reading the book of Acts, um, Luke's interpretation of the first church that I've been doing these last weeks following Easter, Easter reminds me of how important the role of family was, how important the role of couples were, and how important the role of older women, even in the first church. So there wouldn't be me, that's for sure, if it hadn't been for older women. Some countries value grandmothers more than mothers. They expect the grandmothers to give certain kinds of teachings and certain kinds of encouragement and certain kinds of help. In this world, we see women placed in many important roles, including the vice president of our country. But the teaching that happens in the nursery is not the seminary, but the first seminary that children ever see, where God calls us to model what Christ looks like what Christ espoused, what Christ permitted, what Christ encouraged. I think there is no more sacred job or no more um, important job, and you've heard me say this many times, than that of making a home and making the people in that home more valuable than anyone else. The mission of modern homemakers is quite simple. You are a woman in the 21st century in the biblical worldview that I serve and love and unconditionally support is one of sacrifice. Who are you as a wife in the 21st century? What is the biblical worldview? Live with this man till death do us part or live this man until I can't get along with him anymore? We've talked about staying over the years, how important it is to be a woman who stays. Mothers stay, don't they? No more poignant, touching stories have we read or heard than mothers who stay with their children. I think of Carol Kent, a respected woman of faith, author, writer, teacher, whose only child went to prison for a crime. And he has been in prison for 20 plus years. And she and her husband have visited, encouraged, supported the work that this young man is doing in prison. 
There is no deeper heart than a mother's heart who looks at a child who's gone wayward. I want to read to you in the next days a few excerpts from Gregory Boyle's newest book. When I read these encounters with homies on the street in Southern California, gang members, we over and over see their mothers who watch terrible things happen to their children because they get involved with gangs, but who continue to love and support and pray and encourage their children. So who are you as a mother in the 21st century? Do you run out and get out as often as you can? Do you look at this work day after day as the hardest thing you've ever done week after week? Are you learning to love your children wisely? Are you using the Bible as an instruction to raise these gifts from God, which they are? Our deep desire has always been to encourage you to stay focused in the Bible, not what your pastor says or what Otto says or what Brene Brown says, but what does the Bible say about being a mother, about being a homemaker? The American dream is not God's dream. What's the American dream? Everyone who hears that is, replies immediately. It's owning a home. That's the American dream. Uh, I don't know about you, but my husband and I have owned a number of homes. I, I don't always think it's a dream. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful that we can do it. But that's not God's dream. God's dream is to create a family, to create people who love each other within the confines of a physical place called a house. God does not call us to be self-sufficient He calls us to be dependent on him. He calls us to be weak and not strong. He calls us to show our need in front of our children. What is God allowing you to do as the maker of your home? Uh, Back to what Titus says, that the word of God will not be dishonored. That's the whole long list of things that he says to do, to love, to encourage, to teach, to be chaste, to be good managers, to be kind, to be all this list. How is it that we do that? We do that so we do not dishonor the word of God. We do not dishonor God. Women have been telling me for 35 years, I can't do this, Donna. And I want you to know, I agree, you can't. You can never do this on your own. Uh, It is my joy to have watched young women like Angela Belsner, who, when I met her, was a young mother, and now she is a grandmother. It's been my joy to watch her grow deep in her relationship with God, to take her family and the ingredients of family as a priority, and now to watch her daughters be married and have grandchildren and her family unit to be strong. It took God's intervention in Angela's life. And I could say name after name after name from Crystal to Brenda to Amy to Chrissy, so many names that I could name who understood what it was to do the hard work of depending on God depending on God and recognizing that this list that Titus gives us is not to be done on our own, but to be done in dependency with God and so that God would not be dishonored by what he created in a family.
I think it takes a lot of grace, and I want to end our time with an Anne Lamont quote, quote, I do not at all understand the mystery of grace, only that it meets us where we are, but does not leave us where it found us. And I pray that this Friday before Mother's Day, that you will recognize what God has called you to do so that the Word of God would be honored and what He has given you in grace and love to accomplish the work of creating a family in God's plan. I'm Donna Otto, and this is Modern Homemakers. We have so many resources on our website. I hope you'll take advantage of looking at them and purchasing them. Uh, There are books and free resources and all sorts of videos, um, a bunch of things. If you haven't looked at our um, website recently, please do that. We'll be together again on Monday, and I want to talk about how to really love your children. Remember the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of honoring the family as God created it.